1: The boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender.
0: And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer.
1: And welcome to what is going to be another patch show as we move on from our 10th year anniversary. We're now fully fledged into year 11, the start of our second decade of shows. Everyone's wanting us to go another 10 years. I still don't know if I've got that in me, but we will get to episode 1000 by hook or by crook. But yes, we do have another patch. show. it's just a kind of pity, really, that this wasn't our 10th anniversary show, Steve, because what a Whitecaps game. We would have had to talk about it. It would have been a special game and a special performance for a special show.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's one of those rare runs that you get from the Whitecaps. Uh, obviously, I think they've had two this year, uh, one in the uh, Champions League and one in MLS now. Um, but yeah, uh, outstanding performance. You saw a lot of people had predicted like a two to three goal lead. Uh, a win, sorry, uh, going into this game because of Montreal's form. And very early on, it looked like it was going to happen. And obviously, it got to five.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm a bit disappointed in the end, Zach, that it just finished at five because it wasn't the highest scoring game I've seen this weekend.
0: <laughs> Up your BB5, right?
1: Yes, 11-0 for anyone that didn't see on Twitter in the Provincial A Cup against Bayes United, who were lucky to get nil. And easily could have been up near the 20 mark. It was just... I don't think I've ever been to a game where I've seen 11 goals. I was trying to think if I've been to one where I've seen 10 goals. I, I've seen like 7s, 8s, possibly a 9 when SFU were like destroying Owen sundry up the mountain uh, at various stages. But can you remember the highest scoring game you've you've been to, Zach, or, or seen?
0: I can't remember what the highest game... I've been at in person.
1: I know we've seen some residency games over the years where they've like put up seven, eight, nine goals and stuff. I definitely don't remember double digits. Can you can Is you it, remember anything, Steve, that you've been at or?
2: Yeah, the, uh, when I coached my U five kids team, we lost eleven nil.
1: Uh, oh, first game were you playing BB five as well? <laughs> no. <laughs> do, do you want us to get a game against Bayes United? Because I'd like to see how that one ends up.
2: And the funny thing is, is that they, that team went, uh, the kids went undefeated the rest of the year. Like they didn't lose a game, a game. They t- drew something. Wow, but you really, lost another game. You so really struck like, some
1: fear into them, eh? surprised at no. so <laughs> what a red hot, hot poker can do to kids. No, well, the thing
2: is, is the funny thing is, is that the other coach got a, like a stern talking to you because it's you five. You're not supposed to like run up the score like that, right? Like once you get up to a certain amount, you just play the ball around to tell your team not to yeah. shoot or something like that. But yeah, uh, uh, that, yeah, that's the highest I've ever been to. Um, professional, I can't remember. I've probably been to some hockey games uh, that have run up the score, especially since I went was in. You know, went to some games in the '80s for the Canucks, and they were really horrible playing against like teams like Edmonton uh, and everything back in the day. But never, definitely nothing. I don't think I've ever reached five. Except for residency games, like you said. Oh, no,
0: I think I'm pretty sure I've been to five. I, I remember an well, ice hockey I once saw a 10 2 game. Like, you know, I've,
2: I've seen, I've seen goals, goals run up in on,
1: on, on hockey, but
0: not, not in the that was in any NHL, too. Yeah.
1: I mean, um, I, watching Bayern over the years, you must have seen some big score lines. Like when, when Bayern were good and they didn't sack all their managers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy you, you numpties didn't mention that in the last, episode. I know I meant it
1: and I completely forgot. <laughs>
0: uh the, okay so the last one they didn't sack he chose to leave this one they did sack yes were you yeah. surprised uh well a little bit um I um, was because
1: I, I thought Thomas Tuchel would be coming to the Whitecaps with his connections with Axel but Thomas Tuchel yeah yeah no. that's in the future
0: no yeah he won't be ever coming to Vancouver
1: unless he brings his team to player friendly
0: yeah I guess. Which lots well, lots
1: of rumours on on Twitter this week that Canada and Germany might be playing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I told you. I talked to my people mm. in, in the fatherland there to see. There's a possibility. Yeah, so it could happen. We'll see. Well, we'll I'm not going to get excited till it's official. Well,
1: we'll but we'll get def- John. Def-
0: definitely a match. I need to be at.
1: Well, we'll get John on the show. Try and get him to arrange a Scotland Germany double header. No, oh, there you go. In an international window, and then the three of us will just go over.
0: A, a massive win for all of us. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what, what's your week been like, Steve? Uh nothing. Just chilling at home, just
2: watching some games. Anything? First access to MLS. Uh, yes, uh, Apple.
1: We we finally got you an MLS Apple Pass. You're welcome. Yeah. You're you're worth it. You're worth every penny I spent on that for you, Steve. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and the, the what it was funny because like the one thing I'll mention about the MLS thing, that that wraparound one, like the mm. the, the, the thing, I'm not oh. a big fan of it. I don't yeah, know if it the was first just maybe seen it, of course first time I saw it. I I I honestly thought like instead of like having this like cold studio kind of thing, I thought they would do like a like some kind of like you know maybe in a bar setting or something like that. Everybody just sitting around in a bar setting. I think that would have been way better than doing something like that like it just seems so cold and white and transparent to me
1: how about every time there's a shot the panelists then do a shot
2: oh that's that's <laughs> a
1: dangerous game Well, if would have been it, for, they were doing it for the white caps game last night it, it would have been, been for goals it would have been even worse
2: like you know, if they were doing it for goals even
0: yesterday the, the one thing one thing I'll say the uh, I watched the Toronto game on like i PVR the Toronto game on uh, on TSN. And I know we talked about this before, maybe even week one or something. But man, the qual- the quality is not, is really bad. So Apple, I, I, that's got to be part of Apple trying to make sure people come to them, right? Possibly. I mean, I, it, it's it's hard to watch. The,
1: I've seen a lot of comments online this weekend about, oh, the White Cats one? Oh, I don't care because I'm not buying Apple, so I haven't seen it. And there's a couple of folk actually said to me, Today, when I was at the BB5 game, well, what was the White Cats game like last night? Because they don't want to get Apple. Yeah. So, I mean, as good as I think the service is, and I really I really do like it, and I like what they're doing, I think it's, a, it's still a dangerous move because I think it is turning folk off watching it. Because one of the best White Whitecaps performances for years in MLS play, and it's like, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? If a bear shits in your sandwich in the forest, can you taste it?
0: I I would I would disagree with you. I'd say one of the well obviously one of the best Whitecaps results, I wouldn't say it was one of the best performances.
1: I, th- I it, thought they played fairly well. Well, it to, to was like, like a, it, Vanny, it was like, it was was like very, a training very,
0: very 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 good. It was like a training ground exercise.
1: Well, yeah, but you still have to destroy the team that's in front of you. It's like Steve talking about the under fives. I would have been like the opposition coach. You go for those kids' jug- jugulars. You teach them a lesson. Yeah, it just, that's why I don't coach youth soccer.
0: I know uh, we've talked about before. You can only beat what's in front of you, but there was not a lot in front of them.
1: And, and by the way,
2: for that U five thing, uh, I didn't actually complain to anybody. I happened to mention that oh, we lost eleven nil, and when the you know the you know the coach or the head coach or whatever of that that area, the club or whatever, when he found out, that's what the, when the started talking to happen. I never ah. complained at all. So it was like, uh, it just happened, oh yeah, my kids were a little upset because they lost 11-0, and it just happened to like, spread then to a couple people.
1: Well, let, let's get into that game on Saturday, because yeah, you can only beat what's in front of you, you can only piss with the cock you've got, and it was a, like a horse, the Whitecaps, against Montreal once they had gone down to, to 10 men. We'll get into all the big talking points, Zach's shaking his head. I forgot his kids were in the room beside him.
0: Oh, no, they've left the
1: room. Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> the one thing Zach said before we started is, he's got his kids either side of him. Five minutes in, horse's cocks. But yeah, let's get into the team that made a horse's arse off it, which was... Montreal, now I'm disappointed because we're recording this a little bit earlier than usual I didn't get a chance our good friends at the Ballers Round podcast they're doing their live recording just now so I was only able to, to watch the first 10 minutes or so of it when I got back from the BB5 game, so I'll catch up with that understandably they're not the most happy with that performance <laughs> but I mean, Zach, You've you've touched on it already, so you you don't feel it was a great performance.
0: No, sorry, I, no, no, no. I, I, because I, I, Montreal was so bad. Well, Montreal was so bad, and uh, you know all the goals were scored when you're up a man, right? Like, it, it, it. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is great for them. This is confidence boosting. I mean, White alone, you know, scoring, and 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 Betcher, you know, being, you know, such a uh, a focal point. There's so many great things for them, and if Vanny and the coaches. Need to use this in such a way to continue to raise their play, especially going into the Champions League in midweek. But I don't think I feel like for some people this could like for- this could turn into like a false dawn, right? Like
1: uh, I- oh, I mean I- I've got us winning the quadruple. Well,
0: well the thing is- I-, I mean for some sane people it could be a false. Oh, dawn.
1: Okay. The, the thing is, you're talking about a man-up. How many times
2: in the past have the Whitecaps screwed it up where we made it a, a running joke when they went up a man, they were, oh, no, yeah. the Whitecaps are at a disadvantage now. Yeah, but yeah. they've never so played they a actually team. That... Did something, they actually did something that they were supposed to for once, and I think that is an accomplishment.
0: But they've never played a team that played so poorly when they went down a man. Plus, and I know, Michael, you said this in our chat, it wasn't even just going down a man, which is arguably the worst or most frustrating player in the Montreal squad. Montreal also lost arguably their best their linchpin and their captain and their their leader uh, to injury in the in the match as well, right? Oh, I thought. Which... Do you, do you know? I thought you were talking about Rudy Camacho, and I was like, you've changed your tune. No, but yeah, no.
1: yeah. Well, let let me throw this question out to you both. You can go first on this, Steve. What hurt them the most? Piet going out injured, which it's interesting listening to the little bit of the Ballers Round podcast that I did here. Because they're talking about the fact that he'd been out. He's just got the captain's armband back and he's just back in. And you're starting him on an artificial pitch. It seemed a recipe for disaster. But, I mean, what hurt them the most? Losing Piet or losing Camacho? Oh,
2: definitely Piet for me. Because the that's when, after Piet went off the field, that's when they started having to pull people back. And I'm talking about pulling the White Caps players back. Uh Because Ahmed was, like, basically tugged at that point. Um and then Camacho later on, and there was a couple other ones where they could have been like, they were fouls, but they weren't like horrendous fouls, but they were still fouls. Like I, we were talking about Waterman could have been very close to a red and in, in, maybe because there was another defender back that could have stopped him, but it was very close to being a red card
1: too. I, I've watched it back again today and I was talking to a number of folk about it at, at the game this afternoon and the general consensus, including... The ball is round, people. Is that it should have been a red card for Waterman? I don't know how he dodged getting sent off there. I wonder, no, I, I mean, you don't know I, obviously how the game would have played out. Camacho may still have got sent off, but it's like, I i for me, Waterman should have gone.
0: MLS VAR is weird,
1: yes. Um, <laughs> we'll get into that in our MLS roundup. A couple of very prominent head coaches not happy with VAR handball rules and various decisions and various things like that. But I mean, losing Piet definitely affected their shape. But what I would say is, before they went down to 10 men, Montreal were getting run ragged. They could not handle the pace of Ahmed and Betcher. They were getting the better of them constantly. The Whitecaps started on a front foot. And for Montreal, a team that had had a week's rest, you would never have known it because they were really sleepy and you could maybe say they've traveled cross country, etc, etc. But they came out so flat and I don't know if they just didn't expect that the Whitecaps to throw everything at them from the off, but they were all over the place defensively and it didn't get any better
0: after that. But Montreal, dude, they, they yes, they had the rest, but they were a weakened squad. They're so like they're decimated in a few spots, right? Like Kyoto didn't even start, right? Yeah, because he just come back from international duty. Miller's still out. Like they're they're not. Yeah, they're, Look, they don't again.
2: Once again, you could complain about all you want about the the fact that impact were decimated. They were down a man or whatever. The Whitecaps are obviously not starting their full squad as well. But the fact is, the Whitecaps in the past would have won that maybe game one nil. Yeah. And barely held on well oh, yeah they, have did, they did what they were under, they needed to do yeah. yes well, I, I feel like it was a very good performance because you could say montreal was bad but in in a way it takes two to tango you needed a team to be good in order to make another team look bad
0: no i i i don't i'm not trying not trying to take anything away from the result the magnitude of it and how it's going to hopefully boost their confidence but like seriously when is the last time the white caps played a team that, that was that awful
1: yeah. I mean I I I would certainly agree it with that because it's like possession was 2 to 1 for the White Caps. 29 shots to Montreal's 3. Nine of those shots on target to none from from Montreal
0: and Okay, but okay, that that's all true, but even putting the stats to the side they look like they look like a shambles of oh whole, no i'm not whole di- whole i'm not disagreeing
1: team. with you in that they like, look terrible they, and they, they have looked I, terrible at various I, but times i don't, but, understand, but, the, but I don't another, understand
0: the coaching either like mm. if you're if you're three no down to the half like if you, it looked like they're like no no we can still get something from this which to me was crazy down a man to me if i was the coach i might have said look or i might have said to my coaching staff maybe not the players but i said look we we don't want to we don't want to go away five nil in this goal difference might play a, a role down the road. Uh, let's make sure we do not uh, like for example lose the second half, and two continue to concede and concede and concede. Like I think it would have been way better for Montreal, had they lost three nil, had they not conceded in the second half, they lost three nil. I think they would have left with their heads held, not as low, and it would have been not not as not as poor. But it, like they they didn't it looks like they didn't they didn't tactically and they didn't energy wise like put enough into actually defending down a man
1: yeah and the pressure
0: like, like, has really been turned
1: up even more now on hernan lasada oh yeah because I mean he's taken over from a great coach and Wilfred nancy and what he did yes he's taken over a squad that has been decimated and so much of the talent has moved on you've got to question the recruitment you've but you've also got to question his tactics. And I, I mean, that is a fair point, Steve. It's like, I thought they might shut up shop in the second half, but whether they tried to, and it was just that the Whitecaps' pace was just causing them so many problems, I, I don't know. I, I t- said during the game, I said after it, I'll say it again just now, it kind of felt, though, that the Whitecaps' exuberance, that exuberance of youth in particular, was just too much for them. They just had no answer.
2: Yeah, and they might have tried to do that with the team they had on but once they made the substitutions, I think after the five fifth goal, that's when essentially it shut up shut up, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think they were still like yes, because I think they were actually personally I think they were going far away because they know Boycap's reputation about like being able to uh you know, give up a goal here and there and
0: maybe they get back into the game. So I think that's probably more to do with it than anything else. if they were even manned, I, I can understand it, but it, it I don't know. It felt um if like it, it, you're talking about if they know the white caps so if you know the white caps how do so many te- how many how have so many teams scored on them this year on set plays so you go to like you go to like the the, you, the your tactical approach is play incredibly defensively and try and get a set piece or two and exploit that because that's been an incredible weakness for the white caps yeah and they but got it,
1: one that, corner in the whole game yeah I mean what I would say is even if it was eleven v eleven, I fancy the White Caps would have won this one by yes. by a couple of goals. I don't doubt that at all because the breakthrough no. was coming. Like even before the sending off, you had Betcher had a shot that flashed across goal early on that White just couldn't get to the back post. Gretzell had that free kick, which was a really good free kick that went off the the right post as well. Then there was a scramble in the box, and both White and Vite had chances to to poke it away. The the red card on Camacho, I mean, he'd been booked earlier. So even if it wasn't a straight red, it was going to be a second yellow. So no matter what, he was going to be off. And it was just a case of whether it was inside or outside. Now, as soon as it happened, up in the press box, I said, oh, that's outside, that's not a penalty. That's going to get overturned. Because it it was clear that that was what it was. I mean, disappointing. Do you feel that challenge, though, had to be made?
2: Oh, I don't know. But it is
1: Camacho, so you expect him mm. to make that challenge. Montreal yeah, exactly. just don't like playing here, though, with a uh,
0: 11 men. It feels. Yeah, I, I know he's been good for them, or he was like good for them last year or whatever. But it felt like more old, uh, you know, uh, like retro Rudy Camacho. Like, it, yeah, I kept saying felt... of
1: Paul from the ballers round. Yeah, Paul's I wonder.
0: I, I wonder. Do you think if it, be, it was could because it was, and maybe wouldn't, maybe not. The name wouldn't matter, but. Do, do you think it was because it like Sir wasn't that maybe I know there are other keepers injured or whatever, but it might not have been different with him. But um I don't know.
2: He, I, I honestly don't know about that. I, I think the I think if you're talking about Camacho himself, I think it was mostly because last year he was playing with Johnston and Miller. Yeah, and that's why he was playing. He was insulated by those two yeah. guys, and now that he's playing with a little bit less than you know just stellar center backs, that he's he's gone back to his old ways.
0: But do you also think he like didn't have confidence in the keeper?
1: I don't know. Like, I I think he just didn't like have... I, co- I, I think he had maybe... He'd seen what Betcher was doing and he's like, I have to make this challenge or he's going to be in and goal. But it's like, give up the goal in that case as opposed to putting yourself down a man and very, very close to being a penalty as well. well that's, what been I mean. down
0: a goal. that's what I mean by trusting your keeper. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes. A player Occasionally in games, people are going to come, you know, get in and alone on your keeper. you got to kind of have somewhat trust faith that they're gonna you know yeah but do, i do i don't there. think
2: camacho i don't think camacho thinks things forward that forward i think he just plays on instinct and mm. most of the time instincts are wrong for him like like he'll just play he won't be thinking oh i have a yellow card i have to play safe he'll just play the same way every time that's the thing though
0: wasn't it a straight red it was given us a
1: straight red yeah no matter what he'd have had it's a second out. yellow. so yeah. he was he have really going off obviously it's going to be a bigger ban now because it was a A straight red red. Let's get to the three goals in the first half First one Simon Betcher again Causing all the damage Plays it into white And Before this game And when we spoke to Simon earlier In the show in the pre-season And can I just say it's nice To speak to guys in the pre-season That don't then leave (laughs) So the jinx is well and truly broken But I mean he talked about this with us He's talked about it before and he talked about it actually after the game as well on Saturday night. Brian White has been a really good mentor to him. And he's taken time to to go through stuff and to share his experiences. And they've got that understanding. They've got that chemistry. And you saw it throughout in this one. And I asked Vanny a little bit about this. And we'll play that in the next part. But Simon Betcher to me is like the ideal strike partner for White because it allows him to drop a little bit deeper, have Betcher play up top. They've got that understanding. They both like to play in and around the box. So there's like loose pickings to possibly get taken up. And you saw it on this goal, Betcher did everything right, cuts it back to, or squares it to White. And I think for White's confidence, yeah, that was massive.
0: Yeah. You hope, you hope so. You hope it uh, gets him on a roll um it was clinical finish but yeah betcher it was great setup uh from the kid like i think that's also confidence boosting for him and it shows that he's not just about poaching you know nicking a goal here or there he can actually play a significant role in creating goals for others and so yeah i think it, i think it was uh i think it was good on all fronts
1: i i think all the goals were like the build up play to all of them were absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, that's something rare you see from the white caps. You don't it, see that, like the build up of the goals uh, uh, that way, especially I, that every goal being like that. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, uh, Al, I think Ali's goal, like the build up was sort of what it was. It, well, was bro- it was broken.
1: Yeah, the start of it was good. The bet before the it got to was Ali wasn't, wasn't yeah. fantastic, but yeah. The second goal, Betcher this time, puts it away, and again, it was nice work. Louise Martins, Martins, I should say, uh, plays Ali in. Ali hits the byline, cuts the back, and just a deft little foot out by Betcher directs it past Sirwa, and it's 2-0. And right then you thought, that's game over.
0: Yeah, well, especially being up a man, Piet off, yeah, for sure. You're just like, okay, this is going to be a long night for Montreal. Um, it, we we didn't really talk about the about the lineup. Yeah,
1: because um, there were six changes. Yeah, and there's a couple maybe I've said couple of surprise m- omissions, but you, you had two of the guys, in Javene Brown and Andrews Kuba's returning from international duty. Yeah, you had Simon Bitch and Ali Ahmed making their first MLS starts.
0: Yeah, but, but Ali was, was playing as an eight, right? Yeah, but sh-
1: you'd messaged me saying, oh, Vanny really likes his fullbacks as eights. Yeah. Ali has played that before.
0: For WFC2?
1: He's played a little bit for WFC2 there, but before coming to Vancouver, he has played as an
0: eight. Right. But the dude's a fullback, right? Like, the dude's a wide player. like Mostly, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I it's... Again, to me, it's. I find like, it
1: hard to knock it though, just because of how effective he was in that eight role.
0: Again, against a horrible Montreal, Montreal. This is where this is where I think some of what what might be ex- extrapolated from this game might be misleading. You know what I mean? Like, if 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 well, all some of sudden, the
1: defending on the Montreal goals were terrible. Well, and, that's what I mean. Like, if yeah. the
0: Mont- if 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 the coaching staff is like, oh yeah, like Ali's a great option as an eight. Uh, I I don't know that you can. You say that at an MLS level from this game,
2: but if you think of it, he played. Uh, he played in the midfield like he was a fullback. It's just that he was in, you know, inside, like instead of playing outside, he was, he was just running up the pitch, made his ch- runs down the channels, and 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 cut the ball back a lot of times. So he was almost playing like a fullback in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had so much space out there at, at times. I mean, the the third goal as well. It wasn't. Great Montreal defending and two goals in about the space of a a minute or so. I think it was 87 seconds I ended up timing between the two goals. And it's white with a shot. Sirwa does his best, but he just parries it straight into the path of Gressel. Gressel says, thank you very much. Blast it home. It's 3-0. Surprised they didn't get booked for jumping over the the advertising and celebrating with the fans, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's a yellow card. If you go by the rules, yeah, like I was I was a bit the worried. That
1: the referee wasn't actually paying much attention by that point because I kept I, watching the ref.
0: I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think it should be, but by the letter of the law, it is. Oh yeah,
1: I don't think it should be either. But as soon as he did it, I was like, oh, he's going to pick up a booking because he's just been so good yeah. that you don't want him to to be missing any games necessarily. It was weird, it was like weird anything. because
0: he didn't get an assist in this game, but he, he scored a uh, you know uh, a nice rebound goal.
1: I mean, three now at half time. We've talked about how we thought Montreal would do, and, and they didn't. And then it just it just got worse for them uh, at the start of the second half. Forty eighth minute, it's nice build up play. The ball comes out to Jervain Brown, who plays one in. It's kind of missed. It bounces about, takes a, a couple of bounces in the box, and then just falls nicely for Ali Ahmed, his first MLS goal. And the first guy over to congratulate him, Simon Betcher. I was so delighted. I was naturally delighted for Simon, but for Ali in particular, to, to make his first start like that and to get that reward. Having watched him last year in wfc too, spoke to him a lot last year. When he was out injured, we used to chat after the games. He is such a nice lad. I just wish all the very best for him. And when you think he's been fasting for Ramadan, Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting interview that he had on the, the radio before the game where he was talking about he's actually, when he has been fasting, he finds that he's he feels he's got more energy and he's more mentally focused.
0: Yeah, it can be like that when you fast. Have you ever fasted? No. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: If you mean maybe going a couple of days without a chocolate digestive because I've run out, <laughs> then yeah, I have fasted.
0: I knew you were going to say something like that. Oh, Michael! Oh, and I think I
2: think he, he like he his first like drink of water was after the foul
1: he got from um, Waterman when he got pulled back. Oh, that possibly his, like, yeah, because first... they had a scheduled water break for him to be able to to take yeah. stuff on.
2: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and it was a like again great goal. He he basically he saw the ball coming in. He saw the open space uh, to the left. He didn't. Rushed to the ball. He went to the open space and he waited for the pass to come in. He trusted better yeah. to make the pass. So, great, great great, finish there for him as
0: well. Again, the, the play was broken, but was that the best goal of the game or was it was Brian White's the best goal?
1: Uh, I don't know. I quite liked, I mean, the one I enjoyed the most, <clears throat> excuse me, it was Ali's. I think Simon's second may yeah, have been the, nice the best one.
0: But, but Simon's that was not his goal. It's been
1: given as his goal.
0: Yeah, but dude, I know the Whitecaps and MLS are saying it's his goal. If you watch the watch the footage when, when they're celebrating and he doesn't celebrate and his teammates come over to him, he says it's an own goal. Like, oh, does he? Yeah. yeah. Why do you I, think I text you guys that? I,
3: I,
1: I had no idea why you had texted that. It made no sense. And I was like, what?
0: Are you watching yeah. a different game? So I I haven't watched the replay close enough to see if he. Uh, I've watch. just
1: put the replay on just now, so I'm watching this.
0: Does he get a touch? It shoot? looks but like it, 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 looks like it
1: almost came off both of them at, at one point. It's, it's yeah, hard to tell. he does. There's, he sticks his foot out. It's hard to tell. It's I mean, I totally think it's, hard to tell. If, if he, he
0: said though, no, it's an well, own he, goal. Keep watch. If you if you're watching the actual broadcast, keep watching, and when in the celebration, you can see him say. Okay, because I can understand that. He says it, Ranko. He says it,
2: to Ranko. No, I get that. I but I didn't see it, and I'm
1: watching the replay multiple times. I right? know I I'm tell. just watching the replay again. Yeah, I, it's hard to. I, but
0: MLS like, MLS no. has done this, MLS has done this before. They given they've given things that are by the laws of the game own goals. They've credited them to players because they think it looks better.
1: Well, it certainly it, looks better for but, Simon because they made a big splash about the fact that. Yes he was the first or the fastest player to reach four goals in mls history 87 minutes it's taken him it beat the previous record by two minutes it did hit his goals per game which had been like one every 14 minutes so i was a little bit disappointed that he's now dipped a bit (laughs) but i I guess you can take that but that was it five nil win whitecaps went nap Montreal kind of went to have a nap, it, it felt, at various times. I, I I came away from that very boy. He had a big smile on my face as I walked back to the car over the, the Canby Street Bridge, thinking, fantastic game of football. Even Zach shitting all over it is not going <laughs> to take my enjoyment away from it. Hey, no,
0: I, no I, my, my, my uh, perspective of... The you know how the opponent you know played and whatever shouldn't take away from anyone's number one their enjoyment of the game because I I've I've heard from lots of people who were there had a great time and really enjoyed it which is awesome I just think it can it it can uh, I hope that the confidence it gives the players translates into the future games and isn't don't people don't look back and you know especially some of the maybe more casual people look back and be like oh where are the five nil wins you know (laughs) you know and like you know middle of the season or in a few weeks time or whatever. Well, that's okay, we're going to be having them every couple of weeks, so folk
1: will be justly remembered. I, I just thought that the overall movement was good, the pressing was good, just the, the pace, the intensity. Yeah, you're playing against a bad opponent, but you still have to beat that opponent. And I, I just thought they put in a really good show. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens now with Betcher and Ahmed over the season. We'll, we'll chat a little bit about that in the next part. That,
0: that That is, regardless of the everything else, that is the most encouraging thing, is you have two players, uh, not come through the academy, but come through the system, who are making significant contributions to the, the first team, Betcher on an ongoing basis, and Ali more and more.
1: I, th- I think the good thing, and we touched on this last week, is with WFC 2, We've not been a club that's had these academy breakthroughs, even though our academy has been lauded and there's been so much money spent on it. For whatever reason, the guys just haven't broken into the first team. Some of it might be talent, some of it might be opportunity. But with WFC2 now, it's, a, it's this stepping stone that's allowing this. And I think we're just going to see more and more guys make that jump over the years for, from WFC2 into the, the first team, not just here, but throughout MLS as well. And I think it's just such a a great thing to have, and the performances of Simon, of Ali, the other call ups that that we've seen, it, it's just such a boost for everyone that's involved with Whitecaps too right now.
0: Simon's a draft pick. Ali, Ali came in from Toronto. Was it Toronto? Oh, he went yeah, Trump he came from a, from Ontario. But he was Toronto then Europe, right? Uh, he definitely the thing made the is with, from, with from the, the
2: biggest problem with the white caps in their academy is that there was nowhere for the 18 to 21 year olds to play. Yeah, to and and really develop and to and get those
1: yeah. minutes week in, week and, out. And both those guys were such high performers last year.
0: And it'll take some it'll take some time, right? You're right, Steve, for this for WFC two to um for the pathway to be fully real like realized for those youth players.
2: Yeah. And that'll and that'll help them because the not only will they be able to bring these players in, but they actually take up roster spots so they don't have to spend big money on, on, on depth players and stuff like that. And, and they're able to use that to starters and that will yeah. improve the starting.
1: We've got more WFC2 chat to come up in part three, where I sit down for a very interesting chat with new head coach, Ricardo Clark. But we'll be back hearing Vanny's thoughts on that win on Saturday night, looking around the rest of MLS and seeing what they can take from this game into the midweek Champions League match for LAFC. And we'll be back with all of that
4: after this. Hi, I'm Simon Betcher, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: Heartbeat, increasing heartbeat You'll hear the thunder of stampeding rhinos Elephants and techy tigers This town ain't big enough for the both of us
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month for the month of April here at AFTN. And I've gone a little bit retro, but they are also current as well. That is the band Sparks, formed in 1970 by Ron and Russell Mail. The Brothers, and they've been going for a a long, long time. Released their first studio album in 1971. Still releasing songs all these years later. Over 50 years in the business they've been going. They're a bit of a cult band. And the song that I've just played for you there is the first single I ever heard by them. It was originally released in 1972 this town ain't big enough for the both of us, <laughs> reached number two in the UK, charted all over the world as well, didn't make the charts in the, the US though, it's been re-released several times, it's been featured in a number of films, and they've just got a new single and a new album that's coming out this year as well, so I love the new single, we'll be playing that to kick off part three, and yeah, I just thought i I would have them as our Arts of the Month just because it's a, a nice retro band with a little bit of a modern feel. Are you guys familiar with Sparks at all?
2: No, I have not heard of them.
1: Oh, I'm surprised by that. Because, uh, well, I mean, American band, I don't know just whether they are just more like a cult band here or whether they, they've they kind of made a, a mainstream breakthrough. They are featured in a documentary called The Sparks Brothers which I think's on Netflix, could be Amazon Prime as well. That was a a big cult thing a couple of years ago as well. Recommend everyone check that out. But we'll have a number of songs spanning Sparks' career over the month of April. But we're going to kick off this part. You heard our thoughts on the Whitecaps' big win over Montreal in part one. Let's hear a little bit now post-game from the gaffer.
0: Danny, what's the feeling like after a decisive victory like that
3: one? Very, very, very happy. I think, uh, I think uh, to be honest, the differences between today and the other games, that we scored the goals. And uh, I'm going to anticipate your question. Nobody says that we won because there were 10 men, because it's not true. We won because we played much better than them. Stop. And even if there were 12, we would have won. So that's the thing. And uh, that's, uh, I'm very happy. Yeah.
1: I think this is the kind of performance we knew this team was capable of and it was just a case of everything falling into to place. What do you think the main difference was tonight with the taking of the chances? Is it too simple to put it down to exuberance of youth?
3: A little bit. Uh, and also, you know, uh, when Julian came off, he told me, you know, today the bounces weren't to us instead of going to a meters wide or a meters so that's uh, uh so everything f- went well today so that's uh uh and again, probably the fact that we played these two young guys that they wanted to show wanted to i don't know to break the world when the, when they went when they went, when they played helped and uh i think uh, i'm very happy that Brian scored the first goal so Uh, So, I think, uh, yeah, everything went perfectly, yes.
1: With Brian playing that deeper role behind Simon, it seems to bring the best out of him. Does having a player with Simon's skill set as well help bring the best out of Brian?
3: Yes, I think that... uh, uh, So, to be honest, I think in our team is, I don't want to say easier, but you have more chance to score if you play as one of the 210 than the number nine for the way that we play. Because the number nine is needs a lot to link up, uh, come to the ball and then attack in the space. So you have more chance to to be decisive if you if you're playing well and you and you're playing that role decisive in terms of shooting at goal. And uh, yeah, Brian can do that role. Brian can do both the roles. And, you know, we're very lucky, you know, today we didn't play Daho and Gold and Sergio is uh, Sergio is injured. So you know, uh, two of our offensive player DPS were on the bench and uh, well on the bench. where not av- one was not available. One was on the bench, and so it was really uh, good to uh, to see that everyone can can bring it their contribution, and uh, you know we go from there. Yeah.
1: How much of an added bonus was
3: it getting to take Blackman and Gresso off early, not having to put Ryan Gauld and Daho on? A lot, a lot, because you know you can understand that uh, uh, we entered the game without thinking, managing for Wednesday, and then we had the possibility to do it. So when we had the possibility to do it, we we took the uh, the, the chance, and uh, you know, Andres. Uh, mm-hmm. Came from a very long flight from Chile. Only had training and a half before the game. Uh, Tristan played a million minutes, and uh, uh, so we we decided Julian has a very demanding role. And uh, you know those are the important players that they will probably start again against the LAFC. So it's it it was was nice to give them a little rest.
1: So some thoughts there from Vanny Sartini on that big win over Montreal. Vanny believing, as I do, that it doesn't matter whether it was 10 men or 11 men, they were going to win that game anyway. And he feels it was a very, 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 very good performance. And I think a huge weight off his mind as well, getting that first victory, that monkey is off the back. There was a lot to take from that game in terms of looking ahead to Wednesday, and not just the confidence side of it, but it was a chance to to rest some players. You got to to pull Blackman off at half time. Dahomey and Gold didn't need to come on at all. Gressel was taken off very early as well when it had got to four 0 So I mean that's all great. That's an added bonus. Does it perhaps muddy the waters a little bit for the team selection for Wednesday? Because coaches. Have that in his mind, Vanny said he had two possible selections in his head. It's hard for me to not play Betcher and Ahmed again, though midweek against the AFC.
2: Uh, I would. I I, th- I think you can you can keep them on the bench and basically use them off the bench in that case. Like I I, I personally would not start them. I, really? Yeah, because I think they're having uh, the rested players well. If you, uh, it all depends, like it depends on who you're playing up top too, right? If you are going to play white, as in the like in the in the midfield slot and behind the striker, then yeah, Betcher would be starting for sure. Mm, yeah, but it's just Ahmed is the one that I'm not sure about. If you, want I'd, to I'd have
1: Golden around. for VT for sure.
2: Yeah,
0: it is. Is Gold like gonna like? Is he f- like full ninety or full sixty kind of fit? Like- I
1: don't know that he would have been for Saturday. I'm not a hundred percent sure that he will be for Wednesday either. But if you can get an hour out of him, okay, and if you start the same way, I mean, obviously not against as bad a defense, but the LAFC defense is susceptible, as we've talked about several times. I yeah. just think because this is a two-legged tie. I just feel you want to get off early. You want to get out in the front foot, and the guys to do it are the guys that's informed just now. Betcher and White uh, are linking up well. Ahmed with Betcher is a good combination. I mean, we were talking a few of us last night that if you add Gold into that mix as well with Gressel, what an exciting front five that could be for the Whitecap.
0: I know, I know. Again, the, the game of well, when I saw the lineup, I was a little surprised that um well again white was in that 10 spot and i know it was kind of fluid and he was Mm. very very forward i quite like
1: Mm -hmm. him there if he's not going to be in a good goal scoring form because he can he can pick up those loose balls i think in the 10 slot maybe a little bit more if you have simon doing the more poaching or firing the shots in at the keeper and then white's there for the rebounds or the square balls or whatever
0: yeah no obviously it worked well i was I was a little surprised when I, that was one of the surprises for, aside from the for me on. it's all
2: it, 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 in some points of the game it almost looked like a four-four-two with a diamond in the middle yeah uh, with gressel and, and 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 ahmed being the side points it kind of looked like that to me and sometimes um cool. it could
1: easily have been that
0: i missed the time frame on chef how long is he out for uh,
1: it's day to
0: day is okay. what they're saying because yeah uh, well it, I don't it think you. I think I don't think they can start Allie. I don't think Ali's going to start. I can see I can see Simon starting for sure, but not Allie. And if I, Allie starts, I, I'd maybe be
1: disappointed if he if he did not To be I honest, I can see Ali
0: starting at left back maybe, ahead of Martins.
1: Oh no, that's an interesting one.
0: But I think, not not I can see Raposo
1: spot. though more starting. Uh, oh yeah, back. that's
0: true. That's true. Yeah.
2: I, don't, I just don't feel like you want to, like, like yes, they had a really good game, but sometimes it doesn't translate into the next one. It's like a totally different mode that they It's a different setup and everything like that. Like, if they're not set, if they clearly were setting up to run at Montreal, if they're setting up to run at LAFC, maybe do the lineup. But if you're not planning on doing something like that, then, yeah, you need something a little bit more solid and that can absorb some pressure and stuff like that.
1: I mean, it's a a tough game to know how to approach because it is over the two legs and you're playing one of the the best teams in MLS. Now, LAFC's game against Colorado on Saturday was a nil-nil draw. And LAFC... And Colorado dominated. Yeah, (laughs) LAFC didn't look good at times. LAFC were giving up a lot of set pieces. They were giving away a lot of fouls, which you feel could really play into the Whitecaps' wheelhouse if they continue to do that. And they look susceptible to pace uh, as well for me. So I, I come out all guns blazing. As Vane rightly said, though, the, the key thing to take from the Montreal game that you want to take into the LAFC game is the clean sheet. With away goals being in force, yeah. oh, totally. you cannot afford to give LAFC a goal. I,
0: I think you I think that you can't totally be uh, too negative about a, a point on the road in MLS particularly at the altitude in Colorado they have an incredible advantage over over teams um uh but yeah i, I think you're right in terms of vancouver needing needing to do all they can to keep to keep a clean sheet um that would i think even if it ended zero zero 0 or sort nil nil goalless draw i think that that would not be the worst thing for them in the world and i know you would be quite happy with that michael um <laughs> Uh, but, and I don't, I, I think that I think you'll see from this LAFC team too, um, because of, I think partly because of MDS and because of no Bob, Bob Bradley, I think you'll see them also more prepared for slash slash less complainy about the pitch. <laughs> you know, like I think yeah. they're going to, they're going to be have their players prepared for a surface that most people don't like. And you know, just get over it and get on, and be be ready for the you know, be ready for the kind of the unnatural game that it sometimes brings.
1: With that surface, I don't know that Chiellini plays.
0: That's fair. I, I yeah. think
1: that could be a bit of a risk for them if they if they decided to to go with that, which is then obviously going to disrupt their backline. Now, it's a back line that's only given up three goals in their five games. Although they drew yesterday 0-0, they're still unbeaten to to start the season. And Mm. they're a dangerous team. I feel if the Whitecaps can get a 2-0 win, I do fancy them to score down in LA. And then I think the tie is very much in the balance. But I feel they need to go to that second leg the following week with a two-goal advantage.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think, I, I as much as they're going to try, I don't think they're going to get a clean sheet. I think the game's going to be more like 1-1, 2-2, or maybe 2-1 for LAFC. I, I definitely
1: fancy the Whitecaps to, to win midweek, and I, I felt that before Saturday, and now, obviously, I'm very buoyed with, with how things went on, on Saturday. LAFC <laughs> had 11 shots to Colorado's 14, but only two of those were on target. So if the Whitecaps can just keep them shooting from distance and not let them get the shots off. What my worry is, though, is LAFC did create a few chances and it was some good Colorado defending and a couple of good saves from the the keeper as well that kept LAFC off the score sheet, even though Colorado looked a slightly better team overall. And it's whether the Whitecaps' defence can put in that kind of performance to to keep them at bay.
0: It's a massive week, eh, right? It's LAFC and then Portland and then LAFC. again. Yeah, yeah. it's a massive week for them.
1: So, as I mentioned, 0-0 for LAFC against Colorado. The Whitecaps' big win moved them into the playoff spots for the first time this season. In the Western Conference, they're occupying that ninth spot with six points from their six games. If we look over just some of the the other scores are around the Western Conference from Saturday. I haven't had a chance to watch too much of the highlights because I've just been out at Provincial Cup games, so three of them this weekend, and then trying to catch up with a, a lot of other stuff as well. But it was Columbus 4, Salt Lake 0. Now, I, I had been singing the praises of Atlanta. We didn't touch on this in last week's show, but Columbus went out and absolutely hammered them 6 1 last week. Yeah, and they followed it up with a, a four-goal performance to to Salt Lake in this one as well.
2: And there was some dodgy keeping in this one for sure. I I can. Uh, there was a seventeen-year-old that started for RSL. I think he's seventeen. Um, and and there were a couple of goals where he didn't look very good at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, the LA Seattle game. That was the game of the week that was shown on Fox. Now I did watch the first half of this one, and. Seattle ended up winning. Jordan Morris again got on the the score sheet. Leo was Chu this, as well. Two, was it two I mean, fantastic two one. is finished? Two,
0: yeah, two one. Okay,
1: yeah. Yeah, it was two now at the half.
0: At the half, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I didn't see the the second half. I've got it on the PVR. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But I did see Greg Vanney's post game rant on Twitter. Did Did you guys see it?
0: Oh, I actually got to see that.
1: Yeah the incident for anyone that didn't see it, it's 94th minute the ball comes in it's 2-1 to seattle at this point so this could have been the decisive equalizing goal the ball comes in nuhu's hands and arms are behind his back it kind of hits off his elbowy area and la were were wanting the penalty i i can genuinely see both sides of it because if it if it's your team you're like that's a penalty and if it's not your team you're like no it's not a penalty i think it would have been very harsh to give it just because his hands were behind his back he didn't physically move towards the ball per se
0: uh he he sort of turns though to the ball he just he does adjust
2: he adjusts, his body yeah. a little bit yeah but it all depends on then, the rules of the game if the, the rules of the game they say your hands are behind your back you can't you don't give a penalty if that's the i don't know what the rules it, of the it, game it are. He doesn't
0: say that though I'm, I'm pretty like, sure this is it. I, well, I, I, maybe Michael,
2: it's maybe it's understood that if your hands are behind your back, you can't. The, the penalty isn't because you're there's nowhere else for your arms to go, like Michael said. I, I
0: feel I feel like Michael's biased on this because of his love for the flounders and oh, because yeah. I really don't like the flounders and I don't like Nuhu because he's a flounder. <laughs> <laughs> I just think but, it was it was a harsh one.
1: But what I will say though is Greg Vanney is right. The consistency. It's not just in MLS. This has been a huge debate in Scottish football this year because they've had VAR introduced as well, is the consistency just not there. Some things are given as a handball, some things are not. I, I think they just need to make the rule, accidental or not, if it strikes your arm in the box, it's a penalty. And I know it could lead to some people deliberately trying to kick the ball into folks' arms or whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I don't know the no. answer to it. It's just that it doesn't seem to be getting across the board officiated the same way.
2: No, for me, it's, 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 it doesn't need, it can be a judgment call. Like, I don't know why it has to be so black and white. Like, if you see that there is a, you know, a deflection or something like that off somebody and it hits the defender's hand, it, it shouldn't be called a handball. I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't think accidental handballs should be called for penalties. That you get, there's too much like garbage that's going on in the box that it could happen so many times in a game. So for me, I don't think it's right. Now I do think that you know I'm not sure of the rule where it it uh, no, when you're attacking, it hits your hand, it automatically gets called as well. Like that, that's a like that that's where you have different rules for a defender and attacker mm-hmm. in a, in that way. Um, but for me, yeah, I'm 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 I don't think it needs to be black and white. I I don't agree with Vanny in that way that I don't think it needs to be black and white. There could be some gray there, and in that case, if the the referee feels like It's though he tried he couldn't do anything but it hit his arm. Then I say it's no, it's no uh, penalty kick.
1: So that was a controversial way to end that game. So at least they got a bit of excitement in the Fox game this week after a couple of nil-nil draws. Elsewhere in the West, it was a nil-nil draw. It was Philadelphia nil, Kansas City nil, which is a good road point for KC. But they are just struggling to to get the goals just now. I I don't know what the answer is. You have to feel that they've got to go out. Two goals from their six games is all that they they've got to, to show for it. The lowest scorers in the West, alongside Colorado, who also have just two goals to their, their name. It was Dallas one, Portland one. I didn't see any of this at all, so
0: I can't really late, comment. I, I saw the highlights from this late equalizer from Portland off a of, off of a, was it off a of free kick, I think. Um but it felt like I think Dallas kind of dominated the game from what I saw. And uh, Portland was very happy to get a point at the end.
1: I mean, the more draws that there is, the, the the better it is. It's just a shame that the next one didn't end up as a draw as well. St. Louis nil, losing their first game of the season. Minnesota won, still unbeaten the Loons. Obviously, the Whitecaps the draw last week now, all the more impressive. And the winning goal in this came from the spot, it was uh, I think the 79th minute, it was a penalty, for a, it was a stupid challenge to give away the penalty that Jake Nowinski was tracking back with the other defender, Nowinski wins the ball and is taking it away and then the other player just clatters the, the is Minnesota that, guy
0: well, yeah, Was that some poor communication between Jake and his partner there? Because Jake Jake's clearly getting the ball I don't even
2: here. think there needs to be communication no, done, I don't I think there it does either
1: yeah. I, it's like, you can't apportion any fault to Jake at all there. Like, he did everything he needed to. It was just a stupid challenge. And Amaria steps up. It was the 78th minute. Steps up. Blasts at home. 1-0 to Minnesota. Still unbeaten. Has St. Louis's bubble burst? I mean, they, they put a good account of themselves aside from that. But interesting to see how they bounce back to that first loss. And then it was... San Jose 2, Houston 1. So Houston's run of games finished. San Jose, got to say, have surprised me. I thought they would be languishing down the bottom. Basically, I thought thought them and Colorado would maybe be battling it out a little bit down there. But they're getting the wins and they're getting the points on the board early. And we've seen in this league before that that can sometimes be very important. Two PKs.
0: Ben Olsen was not happy that that PK was given. Uh, the second PK at the end was given. Um, he, it was livid that he thought that was not a foul at all.
1: Oh. Uh, all three goals in this were actually came from this spot, so but, yeah, I, I think the referee was in a kind of penalty bonus potentially. But <laughs> So how does that leave the Western Conference? Well, right now St. Louis out in top, 15 points from their six games. Seattle in second, 13 from their six. LAFC 11 from 5, Minnesota 11 from 5, both those teams, the two last remaining unbeaten teams in the West. San Jose are 5th and 10, Dallas are 6th and 8, Austin 7th and 7, Houston 8th and 6th and then the Whitecaps 9th in that final playoff spot at the moment on 6 points. Then it's Portland, Salt Lake, LA, Kansas City and Colorado. So the Galaxy, Kansas City and Colorado still all looking for their first wins of the season. So,
2: question, what's the tiebreaker this
1: year for MLS in the standings? Is it goal differential or wins? It's It's been wins for the last couple of years, and I haven't seen them okay. change that.
2: Okay, I just wasn't sure, because in the past, they have changed that from year to year. Yeah, uh, if, In that case, it makes sense, because uh, Houston's minus two and Vancouver's plus three on goal differential, which is rare for vancouver to be plus anything longer. which that that actually was
0: one of the biggest i think takes away of, of of the win over the listless impact was the the fact that they helped their goal difference so much like that yeah. that was that was Yeah, a, but it doesn't
2: matter because it doesn't matter because wins is the first tiebreaker it's
1: it's rare you get to the second one by the end of the year well, but know. it's possible it's, it's very possible it's, possible.
2: But, it's very possible but, but, possible, but it's rare. But
1: so much parity in the west i mean looking at the east montreal's loss Keeps them rooted at the bottom. They've got three points from their five games. They're on minus nine goal difference. The other end of the table, Cincinnati, out in front, fourteen points. They are unbeaten on the season still. The TFC game. Did you guys get a chance to to watch any of that?
0: Yeah, yeah. PVR, like I said, I PVR did and and went through it on the. But did you do the biggest thing with this was you saw the Olympical? Oh yeah.
1: So it was a 2-0 draw, if anyone didn't see it, and it was uh, at home in Toronto. Toronto took a two-goal lead into the half, and the first one, Bernadeschi, Olimpico, they did have one hell of a wind blowing, because I had it on, I'd said to Caitlin, oh, look at the flags blowing behind the goal, it's some wind there, and then the corner came in and ended up right in the back of the net. I mean, well-placed, and that's exactly what you want to do when you've got a wind in your favour.
0: And and their second goal also from a corner. Yeah,
1: which Bradley headed in. And then they did a video review. And I've still got no idea why there was the video review. The only thing I thought possibly, because I didn't see any foul, was the ball for me was over the byline with the way it was placed in the the corner arc. Oh. So I think it was a little bit off the pitch. So I don't know if that was maybe why they'd called it back. Maybe. It was a bit weird. But then the clit came out. All guns blazing in the second half. Bender, Zoswiak, made it 2-2. And yeah, n- not very happy TFC at the end of this one.
0: No, not at all.
2: Just, are, are you talking about the Bradley goal off the corner when he had it was reviewed? Yeah. Your post-teller. And uh, Apparently, from what I uh, saw somewhere, that he, he shoved, apparently there was a
1: foul. On... It was a very slight touch that it didn't... To me, it hardly... I, I felt the,
2: the only thing there is that he extended his arms. And mm-hmm. that's the reason... I think that's the why they wanted to review it. But I think they gave it as a goal, I think, though, at the end. Possibly.
1: TFC sitting in the ninth and final playoff spot in the, the East as well with their seven points from their six games. So it's all shaping up quite nicely. Whitecaps, big cascadia derby. First one of the season coming up next Saturday at BC Place as Portland Timbers... Come to town for some Easter fun. Let's hope we can pack that one out and build on what has been a, a good run of form, really. It's yeah, it's it's not been that as horrible a start to the season now that that win's got under the belt. All of a sudden, it just doesn't seem as bad. And if they can take six from six in this two-game homestand and then anything from the trip to Austin, it's looking a lot better than it did a month ago, really. But that is it for our Whitecaps. MLS chat, but it's not it for our Whitecaps chat per se because we're going to be turning our attention to WFC2 in the next part as I sit down for a chat with head coach Ricardo Clark. And we'll be back with that after this.
0: Hey, I'm Gloria Amanda, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Is it due to the rain? Or is she in some pain? She looks physically
2: fine. Guess it's something benign. The girl is crying in her latte, yeah. The girl is crying in her
1: latte, sad. The girl is crying in her latte, wow. The girl is crying in her latte, bad. Now she's leaving the place. Someone's taken a place Orders then takes a seat Looks like it's a repeat The girl is crying in her latte, yeah The girl
2: is crying in her latte, sad The girl is crying in her latte,
1: wow The girl is crying in her latte, bad Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, is the second song from our Artist of the Month for April, Sparks, and that is their new single, taken from their forthcoming album of the same name, The Girl is Crying in Her Latte. So I'm going to dedicate that to our good friend Eve from the Ballers Round podcast, because I'm sure she'll have been crying in her latte this morning after Montreal's 5-0 shellacking to the Whitecaps on Saturday night. Have to get Eve on this show soon and talk about that and the state that Montreal is in. But for this part, we're wanting to focus on WFC2. So obviously, big impact from the WFC2 players that have made the jump to the first team on Saturday night. Simon Betcher, Ali Ahmed, both had standout MLS Knicks Pro... Seasons back in 2022 and rising to the occasion in MLS. Now, we've banged on about the importance of WFC2 and my love for for this team a lot on the podcast. So I got a chance this week to sit down with head coach Ricardo Clark. He's taken over the team, moving from being the assistant team coach on the MLS squad to taking over the WFC2 team with Nick Dazovic moving into another position in the organisation. So I sat down with Rico just to chat about that transition, what he's learned so far, and what he's expecting from this very talented WFC2 side this year. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with Ricardo Clark. So, Rico, thank you for coming back on the show. I've got to start off by saying congratulations on your first win as a head coach of a professional team on Sunday night. Very exciting and I think well deserved 2 1 win over Timbers, too.
4: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, just to talk a little bit about it. Um, yeah, it'd been uh, like an eight week preseason. Maybe even longer because uh the kids were actually uh, doing indoor work, uh before they actually started on pitch preseason. So, um yeah, it'd been a it'd been a long grueling preseason with some of the guys actually doing even longer preseason because they were involved with uh with the first team like Vasco, Miguel, uh, Joe Levante, and one or two other guys, Gio as well. So um you know it'd been a long time coming uh since since uh since the start of preseason since the start of the year and um you know they brought a lot of energy into everything they've done to, to give them credit um for the most part all the guys were on top of everything day in day out right and um <clears throat> hopefully we're you know we're trying to instill a uh i guess a culture of, of just uh you know the good work ethic good good mentality uh, good discipline and uh, bringing you know everything every day uh, when you come to to the facility to training and I, I thought the first game was a reflection of that you know before the game we talked about you know not everything being perfect uh, on the tactical technical side but at the foundation we need to we need to bring uh, energy and intensity and uh, good work ethic good mentality and have good reactions and I, I thought I thought for the most part uh, they did that. So I I was I was very pleased with, with that part of the of the game.
1: So you were announced earlier this year as head coach for WFC 2 How did the move come about from moving over from the first team to that? And has like has it been in the the works for a while? Is this something that you were really keen to to do?
4: Yeah, well the the, the position opened up and and yeah, to be you know, the club asked me if I, I wanted to be a part of it and um to be honest, at first I was a little bit reluctant because obviously I was enjoying my my um role with the first team. Um and you know, obviously we we won the Canadian Championship uh the year before and uh coaching in a Champions League mm-hmm. was a tournament was something you know I've obviously never done and wanted to be a part of. Uh but then, after reflecting for for a bit and talking to some mentors, and um, I had some other things going on with uh, like my pro coach USSF pro, pro coaching course. Um, yeah, like I said, I reflected a little bit and and sort of um, like reconsidered, a, if you want to say, and and thought that the timing of, of this, the opportunity coming up, and and other things I had going on in in regards to my coaching development, sort of sort of fit and so then um that's when I, I sort of accepted the uh the role and yeah it kind of hit the ground running so so yeah it's it's been good
1: how smooth a transition has it been from, from going from an assistant coach to then having a, a team of your own I, I know you've led teams before in the academy down in houston but has this been has it been a steep learning curve for you how, how different is your kind of day-to-day stuff now
4: yeah, it's, it's, uh, man, every day I'm learning every day. I'm learning, um, you know, thankfully I had a, a, a moment last year at the end of the season, when actually the first team season was over, obviously the second team season was over and they had a two week spell where, um, uh, the, the second team was still training. Um, so I, I, I took over those training sessions for those two weeks. It was actually very good preparation. Um, uh, then obviously leading into this year, um, I sort of had, um, like you could say, a dual role with working with the first team in, in Spain in preseason and then transitioning fully into the second team once they started preseason about two weeks later after that. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's every day I'm learning. Um, it is a different, a different role and a different challenge for sure in regards to, you know, you know, as assistant co- assistant coach, uh, you're, it's more about supporting the head coach, right? Supporting his ideas, supporting him. And like, for instance, my my um, role was geared towards player development, working with players on an individual level. Um, and, you know, I, I'm basically designing all my or most of my, my exercises, my sessions with, in, on an individual basis according to his, to Benny's game model or playing styles, right? So um, in addition to that, I'm um, sort of, uh, at least this approach, I took more, taking a more introverted approach to um, my role, because again, it, it's, it's all about how he wants to lead and I'm supporting that and playing a role within that. With the uh, head coaching role, obviously I'm basically in that 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 leadership role now, so it's about me uh, doing my, the best I can to to um, I guess like set set a culture. Obviously, we have a culture amongst the the club, but how do I sort of put my stamp on, um, um you know, the the culture within my group on a, I guess on a micro level, if you want to say, but um, but uh, yeah, so now it's you know the playing style is sorry, that the game model is, 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 you know, is, is me, my, my ideas, um, you know, when there's challenges, when there's questions, it's mostly like, you know, my solutions and, you know, with, in collaboration with obviously the other staff, assistant coach Brendan Shaw, uh, goalkeeper coach Reagan Hall. So, um, but with that, you know, um, I am sort of implementing my playing principles the way I want the guys to play um, uh, on a daily basis. And, and, um, you know within that too, I'm you know uh having to find solutions and games and and all that stuff, so it's uh it's just a different challenge, a different role um, uh, a lot of it within the leadership aspect, so I'm doing my best to grow within that, and every day's a challenge every day I'm making mistakes um and hopefully every day i'm I'm growing from that, so um I think that's what it's all about so i I
1: know. Clubs uh, around the league and like even when we've had the club before, they do their second teams in different ways and they have a different model. Some go really young, some go a bit more experienced, some's a mixture of first team and stuff like that. A lot of them, I guess, they have a club playing style and that's what the twos also have to follow. But how much kind of free reign do you have? Does Vanny say, I want it to play like four at the back, or I want you to play three at the back, or I want you to play like this and not have wingers or have one up top, two up top. Or does he leave this up to you so that you feel that you can get the best out of the players you have? Because obviously it's a different kind of playing pool.
4: Yeah, to, to be honest, I've sort of been given freedom uh, within uh, within all that. So, But with that, you know, I've, I've sort of try, trying to combine um i guess different different things to to hopefully bring everything together right and with that so for instance when i when i design a game model um i want to or at least my intention was uh to design it within the development platform so for instance i i want within my game model i want to encourage repetitions of certain actions right so uh, for instance, I, I want my my outside players to get repetitions going one v one, right? Uh, I want my center backs getting uh, uh, repetitions going one v one as well on the defensive side. I want my full backs um, to have the opportunity to get up and down the line, right, and be involved in attack, and obviously have to recover and defend uh, as much as possible. Uh, I want my my center center midfielders to be in a position where the game model, um, encourages them to, um, you know, have the ability to open up their passing range, whether it be, and receive from different, different angles so that they get those pictures and getting those repetitions on a, on a daily basis. So, um, like with that, we play with our, our winners, our sevens and 11s or 10s, whatever you want to call them. Um, we they have the option to play, uh, out to in or into out, right? So when they receive it and isolate it in the wide areas, they can go one V one so that they're getting that repetitions on a consistent basis for hope, hopefully in theory, for their development, uh, with, to get them the ball, the midfielders and the center backs, maybe were pivoting to find the weak side, to find that, uh, seven 11 in the wide channel. So that center midfielder is, is getting the repetition and opening up his packing passing range to hit long ball diagonals to, to open up the field and, I guess that's just a small aspect in general of where I'm coming from in regards to like bringing it all together um, on another level. Right. On the defensive side, we've we stuck to go in a more uh, zonal oriented pro- approach. So the reason behind that is because that's the approach of the first team. So, you know, to get players acclimated to to sort of have some consistency in, on on those parts of the game. Um, and get them repetitions of that uh, for the reason of let's say them potential moving up to the person it's not like a shock to them um, to the exposure of what they'll see on the team level. If that makes sense. Yeah so um, so I guess that that's what it's that's kind of where I'm coming from and regards to hopefully bring in uh, the development side of it, the, the side to hopefully help them, Uh, Be be successful in games um, And be competitive And then on the side of uh, Yeah like I said Them getting repetitions And and being in environments where They're hopefully um, Hopefully developing So that makes sense Yeah
1: Mm -hmm. One thing that I feel That the Whitecaps do very well Is how they use their second team And I know it's different now To when we had the, the club originally Six, seven years ago These call-ups and the chance you can call these guys up for four times, and we saw it last season with Simon and with Ali and Vasco so far this season, and there's a couple of other guys that's had that as well. Is that something that the team talk about? Every player that I've spoken to last year has, and I spoke to Glory after the game on Sunday, they've all talked about how, although they're all battling for these first-team things, they're all delighted when someone gets a call-up and they're all pushing each other to get to that how big i a, a, a think do you feel that is for this club and for these players to know that if they have a, a good performance here with the twos they this is a team that is not afraid to call these guys up
4: yeah i think um i think yeah it's it's important that the the club in general the players like see there's an actual pathway you know and then i think that brings motivation i think that brings Um, encouragement uh, to the club and to the players themselves. And uh, I think that has to be created in the first place. And I think, uh, you know, Vanny's done a a good job in doing his best to, you know, hopefully create a a, a pathway. You know, it's first and foremost, he's he's worked with a lot of those players in, in the past. So he's familiar with those players and there's a familiarity within the environment of what what who the players are from the coaches and what they can bring and what their strengths and weaknesses are and how they can contribute. So, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, uh, that, that's an important part of it. And, you know, even in, like, for instance, our roster build with the, with the second team, you know, we've, we've tried to find the best balance of, you know, older players, younger players, um, keeping a roster that allows flexibility for potentially younger players to come in um, with, the, with the thought that, okay, we're going to have first team players coming down as well occasionally. So how do we sort of, you know, again, design a roster that's that's flexible and, and manageable and all that uh, because there's so many dynamics of, of a second team that that are not easy to do it on a day-to-day basis. So um, I don't know if I kind of went off on a tangent there, but... Uh,
1: no, my question was quite rambling in the end. I should just have said yeah. pathway. It would have been the <laughs> easiest thing to say to you. So, I mean... Yeah. It, not on a game day So on a, a normal weekday You're in training what, what does your day look like? Like when do you get up to the training centre? What does What's involved in, in your day?
4: Yeah, so The day-to-day is where do I start? So, yeah For instance, on a Let's say we have a game on Sunday uh, We'll come in on the, on the Tuesday, it's the first day of training uh, For me Usually the day before We'll have the training set um, And you know, uh, even before that, we'll be collaborating with the first team, with with Mike D'Agostino or Vanny uh, and figuring out which players are available for us, which players uh, uh, they're bringing or they're taking from us uh, to be involved in their session. And that's a fluid process that fluctuates day to day. So, um, you know, once we once we have an idea of what number, what, players we have the day before, then we can set the training session more, more times than not the day before on, on like for instance, on that Tuesday uh, to, to train on that Tuesday, we'd have it set on Monday and then um, and then we, yeah, we, we do, we do our training session. Um, me again, Brendan and Reagan will collaborate to, to design a training session. Um, the Tuesday will usually be a strength day. So more tight spaces, uh, more mini games, um, more um, yeah, uh, more more of those types of of exercises, um, and we've sort of aligned our periodization with the first team, so that you know we're not missing a beat in regards to what the players need physically, and we're coinciding with everything so that it allows that that pathway that up and down movement to be a little bit more smooth. Um, the Wednesday would be more of an endurance state. So that would be big numbers. And that's when you'll probably see the most movement from our uh, second team into our first team because it's, like I said, big numbers. And they need guys like, for instance, today, um, you know, we had, you know, we had, I think, 16 players for training, uh, which was an idea, but we made it work. We made it work. And, and it's good that our players are getting that experience to get pushed on. At least in at least in training sessions, right? To get a feel for that environment, uh, to to play at the challenge uh, you know ideally a challenging level um as much as they can um and get exposure to that environment as much as they can. So um yeah and that that'll continue every day leading up to game day. Um you know we'll 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 design the training session the day before. In addition to that we'll collaborate with the and coordinate with the first team, and so what players we have, what players we don't have, what players are bumping up, what players coming down, and then that yeah that leads into game day. Um, you know, usually two days before the game, we'll try to hopefully have all the players that we need for a game um, involved in the training session. But uh, who knows? Football changes every day. So, yeah. um, for instance, basketball Fry before the last game, we didn't know if he was going to be involved. Uh, or he was going to start our game until uh, the day before. So he was, he was in Minnesota. He was on the bench. Uh, He didn't play in that game. So um, yeah, so we, I got the text from, from Vanny. Okay. Vasco's good to go. Um, So he flew back. They they got in at two, 3.00 AM, whatever. He got a little bit extra rest, get to sleep in. And then he's starting for us the next day. So it's always a, it's always a fluid, Fluid uh, uh, situation with with the second team, but um, you know you try to make it work work for the best of the players and for the best of uh, challenging these players in in a hopefully a higher level environment. I
1: mean, I know it's a lot better now because back in the the previous incarnation of this team, when Alan Koch was in charge, he would tell me how frustrating it was because he wouldn't know until sometimes the day of the game what first team players he was getting. So he's drawn up a plan and a team, and then all of a sudden he's got these new players that he has to actually get minutes so at least you don't have as big an issue with that now but what what kind of coach are you in terms of you've been there you've done it you've played many years in mls you've played in europe you've played at a world cup so the players will know this and you've played and been locker room teammates with so many different personalities over the years with the first team you've got more experienced pros but in this team you've got like from 17 I guess up to mid-20s. Are you the kind of coach that welcomes these guys to come and pick your brains about your experience and are you happy to with some of them put your arm around some other ones give a a kick up the ass?
4: Yeah I would like to say um, I'm the type of coach. First of all yeah I did have a a relatively successful uh, playing career. And the I try not to relate my playing career uh, to my coaching day to day in regards to how I coach the players I just hopefully try to use that experience to try to relate the play, relate to the players in what they're experiencing if that makes sense so yeah um, I won't talk too much about my playing career to the players I'll just um, again through what through how I design sessions through how I I um, approach my uh my methods for instance I, I try to i try to manage the environment the best i can i don't know if i'm successful with it but at least i try to i try to manage the environment uh with methods so um i try to for instance as an example i try to create a competitive environment um how do i do that i try to do, uh, develop methods right so um one method um is designing a uh as other coaches have done before um like a competitive point system so there's always a a competition for every exercise Ah. so um uh you know for instance today we had we had a uh, what did we have today i'm blanking on the session um we had uh uh even in the warm-up in the warm-up we had a it was a speed day so we had a, a race with the players so uh you know a group of players whatever involved in the warm-up they had a race these winners got points um that points go up on the on the chart they see it every day uh to relate it, that point system to um today's training as well we had a possession exercise um the winning team got one point right That moved into a transition exercise that we did the winning team got another point that moved into a large game at the end the winning team got two points right actually three because they're winning by a lot, and so I had to stop it and give the other team opportunity to get a point, and they end up winning again. So, um, but yeah, that that's an example of a, like a method uh, to create hopefully uh, the competitive side of the environment. Right, then on the discipline side, like how can I do my best to develop methods to hopefully um, drive home those the uh, the discipline part of 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 the environment we want to create. Right, and and with that, you know, it's uh, um, uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought, but um, so that's where again, so you know, we have a fine system in place, and it's probably nothing crazy or new than what other other teams do, right? And and I guess all in all, it's about hopefully, again, creating those methods methods to help to make make the environment manage itself. So I'm not the type of coach who's going to be screaming too much. Uh, I'll be uh, when I say screaming, I mean like get into the players on a consistent basis, right? Like um, hopefully the environment has created that so that I don't have to do that on a regular basis. Is it going to require me to do that at at times? Absolutely. And are certain coaches going to take a different approach? Who are on my staff or other coaches out there? Absolutely. Um, But that's how they chose to lead. And this is kind of like how I've chose to lead is, again, uh, hopefully letting the environment manage itself based on the methods I've, Mm -hmm. I've come up with.
1: What do they get for the points then? Is that what's the rewards mm-hmm. for that?
4: Oh, uh, just a little reward every month. Okay. Um, yeah, just a small little prize. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I like that. Um, yeah. So it's it's been you know I, I like to think they respond well from it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's fun too. You know, yeah. it makes make it not only fun for the players, but it's fun for us coaches to track it and 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 see who's going to be at the top at the end of the end of the month so um yeah it's a really cool thing to see
1: now last year when i i spoke to dazzle and like way back in the previous incarnation of the team i don't like to single out (laughs) players on the team too much but sometimes i do want to maybe talk about a couple of specifics you've got a very interesting squad this year because there's academy alumni there's some carries over from last year there's also a couple of guys that's come back from Europe in Gloria Amanda and Antoine Coupland. I just want to talk about them because I've spoken to Glory and I'm going to speak to, to Antoine next. But like these are guys that they've been over to Europe. So they've had that experience for maybe different reasons. They've now come back to Canada, but they're wanting to prove themselves again. With CPL now here, I feel that these MLS and next pro teams are maybe a better option in some way for these guys coming back the more experienced guys, because there is this pathway straight into MLS. Now, if if you were talking to a player that was undecided about what do you think's the best route for them these days, coming back here, staying in Europe, what kind of advice would you give them?
4: Yeah, I would say, um, as a young player, you, you want to play, you want to play. Um, obviously the aspiration should be to play at the highest level possible and everybody's going to have a different route. But I think most importantly, as a, as a player to grow a young player, they need to be playing games. I think that's a, the first and foremost priority. Um, and then within that, how are they playing those, those games in a, in an environment that's first of all supportive and they're, they're able to develop, uh, and again, as is in at a high level, and then has a distinct pathway, right? Um, I think those are those are some of the key elements that are, are needed for a player choosing an environment to play in. Again, maybe that's CPL, maybe that's that's Europe. Maybe maybe it's not. I think sometimes uh, players do get sort of lured into the like the the like the European, European dream. Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that's a legit pathway, 100. percent You know, you, you take Antoine Copeland mm. uh, playing in, in 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 Croatia, and I don't. I'm not honestly. I don't know exactly what he was like as a as a as a as a person as a and as a, a player before that. I know he had some definitely some talent because I watched some videos of him. Yeah. But uh, in regards to who he has is as a professional, um, he's 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 tough and. I don't know him playing in, in Croatia. Maybe experiencing a different environment, experiencing being out of his comfort zone. Maybe put him in that uh, in that sort of mindset in that sort of uh, uh, sort of person. Uh, yeah, pers- uh, of. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's hard. You're going to. I've been yeah. to Croatia, and yeah. it's like it's a language that I don't even know how people learn it. Gets that yeah. difficulty yeah. to try and kind of blend in there. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it, as a person, as a player, it'll. it'll for sure, help you grow because a lot of times in those environments, it's either sink or swim. So you have to find find your way to make it. And um, uh, from what I've from the little bit I've talked to him about it, from what I've seen and how he approaches his day to day, uh, I definitely see benefits from him experiencing those 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 environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, like players can't be afraid uh, to step out of their comfort zone. And I think they need to step out of their comfort zone. Um, um. whether again whether it be here whether it be overseas whether it be uh, in other environments outside of their home environments uh, I, I think is is necessary um, but with saying that too it, it is it is sort of like if if the players is sort of in this MLS next environment I think it the pathway is a little bit more clear right as to in that supportive way, like what the direction is that they, that players need to go in, right? So if you're in a second team environment, you know, if you haven't signed, if if you signed a professional contract in that second team environment, okay, the, the pathway is you're going to hopefully one day make it to the first team. If not, then you're hopefully moving on to something something bigger and better. And But, you know, you're first of all getting challenged at that second team level environment to hopefully grow as a player and then you know you know after that who knows you know but yeah so uh so with that you know again i i think there's just all in all there's different pathways for different players you even start younger than that like in the academy you know there's yeah there's 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 a pathway not only uh through the second team but there's there's a legit pathway if, if you choose to go to college you know um uh, you look all, at all the, the college draft picks we've had on on our first team: Simon Boettcher, uh Tristan Blackman is a is a, a co- went to college as a draft pick, um, Julian Gressel, yeah, uh, Brian White. Um, so it's important we're not throwing these sort of sort of pathways out the window, especially from from an academy standpoint. Um, and I think part of that is academy players and younger players again. To my point, understanding that sometimes you have to step, up, step out of your comfort zone if you want to, if you want to, uh, to to make it sometimes. And uh, maybe it's a different uh, perspective I have because I think most of the, the the colleges that a lot of these MLS players, especially, are coming through are in the U.S. right uh, versus in in Canada. Maybe that's yeah. again something I don't understand. But again, there is success in in a pathway through through college in the NCAA system. And it may be in the Canadian system as well. So, um, again, stepping and of your comfort zone is something you have to be ready to to do on whatever level.
1: Fantastic. I th- yeah. Thank you for your time today, Rico. One home game under the belt, two away games coming up, and then uh, I know there's some more coming up at home. Looking forward to watching this team this season. They look very exciting. They're playing a great Brand of football already Some exciting players to watch out for And I just, I hope the fans come out in numbers And watch the team this year
4: Yeah, hope so too, thank you
1: So Ricardo Clark there Talking all things WFC2 And great start To the season for the Twos, two wins out of two now Beating Portland Timbers in their home opener last week. Beating LAFC 2 on Sunday in their first away game of the season. So they're riding the the wave just now. There's some interesting players, I think, to watch on this team. We we brought you a a chat last week with Gloria Amanda. I'm going to be chatting with Antoine Coupland this week as well. We'll bring you that in the next episode of the show. My Message to everyone is just try and get out to to watch this team in action. Mostly play the games at Swan Guard. Swan Guard is getting renovated in July and August, so there's going to be a couple of WFC two games at BC Place. It'd be great if we could get a, a good crowd in for those. But I'm very excited by, by what this team is offering this year and players like Coupland and Amanda and just other guys that did so well last year as as well. It's it's going to be fun to watch this team.
2: Yeah, going to be interesting to watch, especially now you can watch them on uh, TV if you need to as well with the Apple. Yeah, so
1: an MLS app, and it's way better video coverage this year as well. It's not the AI camera; it's proper cameras as well, which makes yeah,
2: it that, a lot, that lot that's lot more a good
0: watchable. Sign. Yeah, yes, yeah. Last
2: year was a little bit less watchable, especially with the guy doing commentary from. Across the world, yeah. or whatever.
0: Do they have a, Do they have any sco- Scottish commentators yet?
1: No, sadly, uh, I haven't yeah. made the ESPN grade, which is a lot. of the, <laughs> the MLS Next Pro commentators are from the ESPN kind of school of journalism or whatever it is. I went uh-huh. to the school of hard knocks. So it's not one of the. It's not the same thing, apparently. <laughs> but that is pretty much it for this episode of this show. Got to bring you this week's wavelength, though, and I've I've brought you a song this week from twenty twelve. And it's a song, the name of it would make you think it would have fitted in well with Football Violence Awareness Month last month. But it's a very different kind of tune to that. It's by an Irish band from Dublin called Grand Pocket Orchestra. And this is from an album that was released for Euro 2012 called Sing Up For The Boys In Green. It's all songs about Ireland and the Irish national team and kind of Talking about their journey from the 94 World Cup up to the Euros, a lot of good songs on it. This is a song about Roy Keane, and it's called Shitkicker.
0: Big-legged ball throwing tattoos of fame Say hey.
1: Grand Pocket Orchestra there, Shit Kicker, not the kind of song that you would have expected for a title like that, but a nice melodic number. But that is it for this episode of this show. Just before we go, though, guys, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts this week, Steve? Anything that's caught your eye?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Wake Speed. Uh, I just, like, just, like, I remember a couple of years ago we talked about how Camacho was having his, uh, you know, goodbye tour, and it's, it's, it's it's heartening to see that he's still on the on the MLS bandwagon. I'm not sure how long
0: which work's gonna last after yesterday's performance, though. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM. <laughs> and yeah, I agree that <laughs> hopefully this is the end of a Camacho <laughs> in Montreal. Um, I don't even think you know uh Kamal Miller can prop him up this year this year but on his own. <laughs> but uh no, uh another fun I haven't watched all the games yet, but another fun weekend in the Bundesliga with a fun... Fun quote unquote modern Derek classicer between uh, Byron and, and Dortmund. Uh, great, always great to watch Alfonso Davies play there. Looking forward to Canadian Premier League kicking off in less than two weeks. Are you? Are you guys heading to the island? I hope to. Yes. Um yeah. I I want to see what the
1: the provincial cup quarterfinals look like. Because I think there's a good chance to see that game on the Saturday, and then take in Lake Hills' game on the Sunday against Metro Ford. So that could be a fun weekend okay. over on the island. I'm if going anything... over. It's whether I go for the yeah. day or whether I go for the weekend. Uh-huh. I just want
2: to mention about uh, the, uh, Zach mentioning the Byron game and everything this past weekend. Like uh, it was funny to see uh, Alfonso Davies playing on ABC, and then one channel up on Dallas. Yes. it was Christine Sinclair. Christine Sinclair, Sinclair, yeah. That yeah, was best uh, so uh, two players really, playing
0: I, on American channels. Yeah, I messaged you guys and said if you want to, I, I I know now. I don't say hey if you want to watch the Byron game. I said, dude, if you want to watch Alfonso Davies play, <laughs> he's on ABC right now. And then you guys are like, oh yeah, make sure you check check his check Christine Christine Sinclair out on uh, whatever it was. Fox I just happened to did. see it
2: that I saw on, on the guide. It said Byron, and then right I, below it said Portland Thorns, well, and I was like, I, oh, it must be her.
0: I'm thankful you did that because I PVR'd it yeah. and I watched the rest of that game and they totally demolished. Cool. They won like 4-1 and S- yeah. Sinclair Sinclair's playing that kind of number 10 kind of behind their their strikers and they have a well, – what's her name? couple good ones. Was it Sarah Smith? Smith, she just annihilated the uh, yeah. Kansas City uh, squad and got a hat trick and a 4-1 win. But, yeah.
1: If you want to watch more football, check out AFTN's YouTube channel. There is two Provincial B Cup games up on that, and there's going to be an A Cup game as well. And then if you watch for a roundup of the Provincial Cup action, there'll be other YouTube links for some of the the other games as well. It's been a fantastic opening weekend to the Provincial Cup. Well done to all the teams involved. We'll be back with another show soon, hopefully talking about another one, maybe two Whitecaps wins, because I might bring one out later this week as well, depending on how Wednesday night goes, but we will be back soon. Until then, take care, thanks for listening, and mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you'll never forget.